I tried to beatbox and rap at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a talent. I know what he did. <laughs> Isn't there that one guy who can like beatbox like, yeah. and rap at the same time? Yeah, yeah. I used to actually. Yeah. I don't know why I would. Yeah, it's playing now. Okay, Dude. so two choices again this week. <coughs> Offer you guys the opportunity to decide what you want to do. Would you like to address some questions? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Yes. As opposed to walking, continue our walks. We can always come back to Ephesians. I'm fine um, with that. This isn't church. So I definitely wrap questions. <coughs> so and they don't have to be questions about sovereignty. Yeah, they can be yeah, any question, be any, any biblical question. Do they have to but be when Bible? it all comes down to it, do they have to be Bible? What? Oh, I thought you were about to say they don't have to be about the Bible. And I was like, what? <laughs> but then you clarified that. So. You get two categories to ask me Jaylen about. Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields? So I'm going to say sports. What? Sports Justin or Bible? Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first things first. What do we do? Pray. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Right. You always say Am I the good? teacher? No. Do I know anything? No. Yeah. No. I know nothing apart from Christ. That's what Paul says. I have decided to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. So, I know nothing. So we have to trust Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and our time that we could spend in it together. I pray that uh, as we address some of these difficult questions, whether they're easy questions or fun questions or tough questions or real serious questions pray that we would find our answer in your word so give us insight we trust that you will um, that your spirit will teach us and guide us and lead us to your word and through your word to give us clarity on who you are and who we are and what we need to know in order to be sanctified and grow and so just thank you for that uh, you've given us this time to be in your word together pray you bless it in jesus name amen so questions Dante you got unanswerable questions mm-hmm. I have, I have one around the internet looking they were not that unanswerable right they were like who created God yeah and like How do why does God? God let sin in the world does God have free will <laughs> yeah yeah he does what crime deserves to be punished for all time for what? What crime deserves to be punished for all it's the time? Most random thing ever. What is that? Is that like a? Oh yeah, hold on. Let's unpack that for a second. Is that even a Bible question? Just like crime in general? Not necessarily, but we can turn it into one. So the question is, what crime is what? Oh, this isn't like an unanswerable question. <laughs> this is like the, um, what do you think about it? Not a. So, so, like, so it's like statements? What crime deserves to be punished for all time? Okay, so does all time what mean, does that mean a lifetime or for eternity? No it just says okay, let's assume that they mean what by crime they mean sin and by all time they mean eternity. So what so just... sin is punishable for eternity? Every sin. Okay, so technically every <laughs> sin, but Jesus does say, I mean, you're right. So if you don't repent and believe in Jesus like he says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, when he says, Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If we don't repent and believe, um, then any sin and all our sins and our sin nature deserves eternal punishment, right? But Jesus does <clears throat> specifically say there is one sin that is unforgivable. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit, <laughs> which directly relates to what we were talking about last night. 
in Bible study about the apostates. So the apostates reject um, the gospel. I mean, the only unforgivable sin is the one that... To believe the gospel is obedience because we're commanded in Scripture to obey, to, to believe. So to not believe is disobedience. To believe the gospel is obedience. So there's only one disobedience that will send you to hell, and that is to reject Christ. And, and, or, or to put it in terms of like Hebrews 6 when he's talking about apostates, people who think they're believers, is they experience the, God, the power of the Holy Spirit, they experience the, the work of the, God's Word, they experience, um, they have enlightenment to the Word. So they have all these experiences, everything they need to believe in Christ. They've seen, they've experienced, they've probably confessed it themselves, and yet they turn from it. And Jesus calls that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because they're rejecting the Spirit's call to believe. And it's unforgivable because you've rejected Christ. And the only way you get to heaven is accepting Christ. The only way you don't get to heaven is rejecting Christ. So technically, the one crime that is punishable for all time is but hasn't rejecting Christ. everyone done that at some point in their life? Like before you accepted Jesus, you rejected him. So, so Jesus gives us a parable in Luke <laughs> chapter what, guys? Five. Six. Seven. 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 Eight. Nine. Ten. Four. Eleven. Thirteen. Just twelve, right? Twelve. Thirteen. Eighteen. Fourteen. Eighteen. Fifteen. Sixteen. Eighteen. Seventeen. Twenty-one. Sixteen. Twenty-one. 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move through this quick because Dante and Vinny and Evan heard me preach this on Sunday. Yeah, Charlie, I want you there. But... And Ashlyn. Ashlyn. Oh, she's... And your friend, uh... Caleb. Caleb. I think. Yeah. So Luke 8, Jesus tells a parable of four seeds. Verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed and as he sowed, you guys know what he means by sowing a seed, like laying down seeds. Yeah. Then, pay attention. Okay? A sower went out to sow his seed. This is verse 5. Luke 8, 5. <coughs> a sower went out to sow his seed, and he, as he sowed, some fell along the path and, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, with it and choked it and some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold his disciples are like uh what are you talking about and he's like i'm telling you parables so he tells these parables and he actually says in verse 10 the reason i'm telling you these parables so this is a sovereignty solution he says verse 10 to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of god but for others they are in parables why are they in parables jesus says so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. He intentionally speaks in parables to prevent people from believing. Yeah, so the only way you can like understand it is through the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And that's he believe, literally and says, because he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets. So he gives the apostles clarity on the parable, and to the rest he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, that's tricky. So... We'll move on from that. 
he explains the parable because they're asking, like, what's the parable? He says, no, the parable <gasps> is this. The seed is the word of God. So we could call that the gospel. The seed is the gospel. And there's four different ways that the seed falls. He said back in verse 5, um, some uh, fall on the path and get trampled on their foot and birds devour it. So that's one. Uh, the second is the seed falls in the rock and it withers away. And the third is it falls among the thorns and it grows but then chokes out. And then the fourth is it falls on good soil and yields a hundredfold. So there's four different people Jesus is talking about and how, four different ways to respond to the gospel. And he explains in verse 11, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So Charlie, you said we've all rejected Jesus at some point, right? That's exactly what that is. That first one. Um, it falls along the path. People hear it, but Satan comes and snatches it right away. And they're not believers and they're not saved. Those are the people that when you speak the gospel to them, you say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? He died on the cross for your sins and he loves you. And they're like, uh, no thanks, dude. That's that. those people. They're unbelievers. They know they're unbelievers. They do not confess Jesus. They do not confess belief. They don't, they don't believe and they don't pretend to be believers. Okay? Mm -hmm. we, this is the most common type of unbeliever, right? Yeah. Then there's two more before we get to the fourth. But the two in the middle, verse 12, uh, oops, sorry, verse 13, and the ones... On the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. Mm. So it's not indicating that they believe and then they lose their salvation. What it's indicating is that they receive it with joy. It takes no root, meaning that it's it's not genuine or effectual salvation. But they they believe it right away, and they confess it, and they follow it. And they go to church, and they say they're a Christian, and they confess all the same confessions that we confess. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose from the grave. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell, but Jesus saved me. They make all those same confessions. They believe all the same doctrines we believe. But in times of testing, they fall away, revealing that there was no real genuine salvation. Nothing really took root. Okay, So they received it initially with joy, but it couldn't last because they didn't have real roots. Right? I'll give you an example. This is what real salvation looks like. This is what happens to these people. It doesn't, although this has roots. He's saying it takes no root. But they pop up, they spring forth, like, yay, I'm saved! And then it's like, life's hard following Jesus. I give up. That's and true. they confess and admit and, and they, they will admit they're not saved. They will reject Christ after having previously confessed Christ. And what Hebrews 6 teaches us is that those people were never saved. They didn't get saved and lose their salvation. They were never saved because Jesus says they have no root and they fall away. Then there's the third seed, and he says, As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So... Jesus tells us, or Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that the believer does mature to Christ-likeness. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mature to Christ-likeness, he's indicating you're not a believer. So they, they hear it. You can see, so verse 14, um, they, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked up. So the world and the cares of the world, the pleasures of life and all those things become more important to them. 
These are the trickiest kind of unbelievers. These are what we call the second and third seed, the last one I just mentioned, this one. We call them apostates. What these people... Like fake Christian, basically? False converts, yeah. They're false converts. So what they... And the difference between the second one and the third one, the second one recognizes that they no they, longer believe in Christ. Admitted, yeah. yeah. The third one is the worst kind of apostate, the worst kind of false convert. They don't know they're not believers. They think they're believers. They claim that they're believers. They confess Christ. They make the same confessions we make. They believe the same doctrines we believe. They even go to church. They go to Bible studies. But there is no maturity in their fruit. They aren't actually producing fruit. Jesus says you'll know a tree by its fruit. Okay? If a tree isn't producing, if an apple tree, if you have an apple tree and it doesn't make any fruit, is that a healthy tree? No. No. Okay? A healthy tree makes healthy fruit. And the, and the fruit matures. An unhealthy tree that has no roots doesn't mature and doesn't produce any fruit. So <clears throat> these are the people who are still in the church. False converts, people who think they're saved, but the cares and the pleasures of the world consume them. I know tons of people like this. And it's not like having possessions is a bad thing, but I'll give you an example. Okay, So again, I'm not saying that like owning stuff is bad, but people who... Basically, you know, only come to church three times in the summer because they got a they got a house on the lake and an extra boat and six vehicles and they're all brand new and they got all these possessions and they they, they don't come to church and they don't come to Bible study. They take time off in the summer. They're not they're not invested. They, they don't see godliness and the Word of God and the church and the ministry of life in Christ as important to themselves. So they care about things in the world more than they care about Christ, more than they care about the church, more than they care about their soul. And so they give up Christ, but they get to pretend like they still have him. And those are the most dangerous kind of unbelievers. So, so to kind of address your question is like, when you said, don't we all reject Christ at some point? Yes, and so... This, these apostates are the ones that that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit applies to most because they have confessed the gospel. They say they believe in Jesus Christ. They confess with their mouth that Jesus lived, died for their sins, rose from the grave. Here's the thing. Does, does confessing those things with your mouth mean you believe them? No. Who else confesses those things but does not is not saved? Demons. Demons. Paul says... Even demons, oh, no, James says it. James 2, just get some, just, 2.19 I want to say. <laughs> you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Even de a demon would confess Jesus is God, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus came to save sinners, he died on the cross for the sins of his people, and he rose from the grave and returned to his father and is reigning on high forever. And he will one day return to, to his But don't they just believe that as like facts, just like information? Right. They, they believe it in the sense that they acknowledge it. They're aware of it. Yeah. They confess it. I mean, they confess. When Jesus approaches a demon-filled man, he says, What do you have to do with me, son of God? So, like, he know they know. They confess it. They believe it. They admit it. Yeah. But they're not saved right so awareness knowledge confession that's nothing what's the difference what's the difference between the false convert and the real convert uh, is it like repentance 
Yes, but how do we see the repentance? What is your, that's a great sanctification. sanctification. Sanctification, and we would notice sanctification by their justification. Fruit. 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 Maturity. Evidence. And what does fruit come from? Fruit comes from being sanctified, being changed, growing. Okay? Are you going to grow sitting at home and not studying the Bible and not praying and not reading and not going to church and not being involved with the body of Christ and not, you know, is that not praying, not practicing godly disciplines? So does that mean... If you struggle with the sin and you keep struggling with it for a while, that you're not saved. It does even not. if you haven't like it's, you haven't been able to grow from that. So, I guess no, not necessarily. Okay, I mean it could indicate that, but let's just keep in mind too that like we're establishing some fundamental truths, and that some of there are there are hypothetical scenarios we can create, like the one you just created, which is. Though hypothetical is actually very real for a lot of people, right? Probably some of us too here. So um, we have to keep in mind that like there are other biblical truths that we also have to apply. Jesus is establishing that these are realities and these people exist, right? But if we say that what's the difference between the false convert and the true convert to Christ, who's the one's a real believer and one's a false believer, what's the difference? Well, Vinny said repentance, and repentance is revealed by being sanctified and producing maturity and fruit, growing, okay? The difference is the real believer grows. That's Hebrews 5 and 6. Okay. And then Charlie's question is, well, what if you think you're really a believer, but there's a sin that you just kind of clung to and haven't really grown out of? We have to be careful that we don't start saying that our obedience that produces growth is how we get saved or stay saved. Okay, our salvation is dependent on what? Faith alone. Faith what? Alone. Alone. Faith in what or who? Jesus. Faith in Jesus alone. That's it. But the fruit is just evidence. Fruit is evidence. It's not the means by which you right. I'm saved. Yeah. And so what Jesus is teaching us is that sometimes. You know, he says you'll know them by their fruit. Okay, so the the apple tree that makes no apples, you're gonna go. That's a bad tree. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and Jesus even says there's gonna be people who, um, in in Matthew chapter five, he says there'll be those who, or maybe six, I don't know, in his sermon on the mount, he says there'll be those who stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not uh, cast out demons in your name and did we not heal and perform miracles in your name? He's gonna say, Depart from me, I never knew you. These are people who think they're saved. And they're going to see Jesus and go, Lord, we're finally here. And he's going to go, I don't know you. And you don't know me. Depart from me, you doer of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Like, in, in the evidence is that, and what Jesus, the reason Jesus is saying that is because he's preaching against the Pharisees who perform religious activity but have no real change in their heart. Because he says in John, in the Gospel of John, that these people worship me outwardly, but their heart is far from me. And Jesus' whole point, constantly as he teaches, is your actions are not what matters. It's your heart that matters. That's why he says hatred is the same thing as murder. Anger is the same thing as murder. Well, the government doesn't agree with that. If you get angry at your brother or angry at your mom or dad or your friend, do you go to jail for 40 years? No. If you murder them, do you go to jail for 40 years? Yes. Yes. Okay? And Jesus is saying, he's not saying that like murder is not 
that anger is as bad as murder on a physical level. He's saying the same heart that hates your brother is the same heart that murders your brother. That's the problem. The action's not the problem. The heart's the problem. The actions do become problematic. He doesn't excuse that, but he's getting to the heart of the problem, which is our heart. So he knows our hearts. And this is why when we talk about God's sovereignty, it's so important that we grasp those concepts of his sovereignty because like we just saw in this parable, he blinds the eyes of some so that they don't understand the parables he's teaching because these people aren't elect. So he keeps them from believing. And, and he needs them not to believe. Why? Because these are the very people who are going to murder him. And he has to die on a cross to save us from our sins. So he has to prevent them from believing. And as he says in John 6, if he doesn't prevent them from believing, then the Father would draw them to him and he, they would be saved. And, they, but and then they, but they would never kill him. So then they would never be saved. And so the, Paul, the, the answer from Paul to that problem is, because the question then is, well, that's not fair, that these people have to suffer eternal damnation so that these people can be saved. And Paul answers that question in Romans 9 and says, well, the reason that these people have to die is so that the people that God saves would see the beauty of his grace. Because the people who die, it's not unfair to them that they spend eternity in hell. That is fair. What's unfair is that we don't go to hell. That's actually unfair because we deserve it. So if we wanted fairness, we would all go to hell. And so they don't get hell. And the reason he saves us is to show us the magnitude and the glory and the beauty of his grace. And we see his grace in light of the damnation he causes on those who don't believe. So... It's, it's not a matter of like, it, well, it's unfair that he would blind their eyes. That's, that's, a, that's a sovereign will. And what it does is it produces his greatest amount of glory. Now, I know there's a lot more questions involved there. Yeah. We can go there. But um, it, it's almost like, you know, the reason we've talked about God's sovereignty so much in this is because it is, it's almost inescapable when you study the Bible. It's all over Scripture. All over Scripture. I mean, we just went to your question about about don't we all reject Jesus at some point? Yeah. That isn't a sovereignty question. You weren't intending to ask me a question about God's sovereignty. You were just no. responding to what we were talking about. Yeah. And the answer to that Jesus gives is, yeah, there's more to it than sovereignty, but sovereign his sovereign will over who's elect and who's not is fundamental to answering the question on apostasy and genuine faith. So the only way to answer your question is to with the foundation of sovereignty. So we ended up just talking about sovereignty for a moment because we have to in order to address what this text is about. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important that we understand God's sovereignty because it's laced all throughout Scripture. And the only reason people can't see it is because they're not, they don't already believe it, so they're not attuned to it. Okay, how many blue cars did you see today? I want an exact number. 52. Nope. And a half. That's, that you're lying. Bro's not half car. Bro's <laughs> How many blue cars did you see today? I don't know. You don't know. Because you weren't thinking. Now what's going to happen? We're going to drive okay. home. When you car. drive home and you see a blue car, if I said count the blue cars on the way home, you would keep track of the blue cars. <laughs> and you'd be like, seven blue cars. Okay? So what's the difference? Awareness. You're, yeah. yeah. So if I tell you to pay attention to God's sovereignty in texts, You'll notice it a few more, a little more often, 
But if I start pointing you to those texts and showing it to you in the scripture, you're going to see it more and more and more and more. Right? So, what we need to be careful is that we're not taking an idea that we want to be in the Bible and we force it into the Bible. That's, that's sin. So if, let's say like, you know, if I, if I want that verse to be about God's sovereignty, but it's not about God's sovereignty, and I make it about God's sovereignty, that's sin. Yeah. So we don't want to put our ideas into Scripture. We want Scripture to teach us, right? We want to pull truth from Scripture, not force our truth into Scripture. We can't come to the Bible with an agenda, or what we call presuppositions, ideas that we believe beforehand. We really have to go to the Bible with, I'm not bringing my presuppositions to the Bible. I'm going to let God just teach me what I need to know. Make sense? Yeah. All right, what other? What else? All right, I have a question. Okay. Um, uh, I think you talked about this recently, but I wasn't there. So do, do like Christians, people who are saved... Um, do they get judged, like when they go to heaven or when they die? Do they get judged if they're saved? Does anyone want to try to answer that? Uh, I would say. You're held accountable to every sin. Yes, but when Jesus looks at the saved, he just sees Christ in them. Right. You're right. But so I would s- directly answer his question though. Because you're right, what you said is right. Yes. So then... Well, it depends on what you mean by judged, right? Because if we were judged for our action without Christ, then we would all go to hell. But that's obviously not the case. Because can't judged mean like... Like, I'm thinking like Christians get more like evaluated than judged. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Performance review? Yeah, performance (laughs) review. Madden 24 rating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go to Revelation. Go to, go to Revelation 20. <laughs> Revelation what? 20. What were you going to leave that? You gotta understand something here. Biblical language, the term dead in this text is referring to spiritual death. Because at this point, the end of time is pretty much accumulated. Like, this is the end of this existence. Existence isn't the right word. This is the end of this time on this earth. And this is the judgment of Christ. And the word dead refers to spiritual death, not just physically dead. Okay, verse 11. Benny, why don't you read 11 through 15? Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, then another book was opened in which the book of life, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by that 
was by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they judged one each one of them according to what they had done. They were judged. And they were judged. Oh, yeah. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the second... This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he would he was thrown into the lake of fire. Okay. So we have death and dead. What do we have that's the opposite of that in this text? Life. 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 Okay. So you've got the book of life, which is... We see in Revelation 13, 8, is a book that was written before the foundation of the world. And your name was put in it when? Before the foundation of the world. So how could people's names be added based on that sovereignty? Yeah. They aren't added later. They're written before the foundation of the world. That's what he says in 13, 8. I'll just read it for you really quick. You don't have to turn to it. But, Bro. Um, he says... It's so obvious. He says... And all who dwell on earth will worship it. So he's talking about the first beast. So those are everyone on earth is going to worship this false beast. And he goes, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. So there's a book, and the name of the book is the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. And when was the book written? Before the foundation of the world. So before God made the world, he wrote a book. And the book's title is Book of Life of the Lamb that was slain. So God's plan, before Adam and Eve even sinned, God's plan was Christ will die. The Lamb will be slain, and he will be slain for people. And these people will be who he dies for will be the people whose names are written in this book. And if their name isn't written in this book, according to 13.8, they will worship the beast instead. And the result will be, Revelation 20, verse 12, middle of 12, and the dead, spiritually dead, whose names are not written in the book, were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And then they're in hell, and hell gets thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death and Verse 15, if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Who's writing so this? Who's John? Because oh. he keeps saying, I saw. So he's the whole... The, yeah, because it was a vision to John. Revelation. revelation. So it was a revelation. A revelation. a revelation. a revelation of what? Jesus. Key. Key, 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 key. It's not a revelation of the end times. It is a revelation of Christ. The whole point of the book of Revelation is the exaltation and worship of Jesus Christ. It's not about end times. There's plenty of end time information in it, but it's not about that. It's about Wait, revealing so where, the glory of Christ. Where does the Christ. judging of the people that aren't dead come into play? So this what happens, judging. so this is the great white throne judgment. This is the, throne, this, the seat or the throne, verse 12. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. This is the time when Christ judges the living and the dead. Okay? And what does he do to the dead? He throws them in the lake of fire because their judgment is they rejected Christ. Yeah. Unforgivable. Okay? But that doesn't happen to those who have life. 
So there's no judgment for those that have life. So let me think about it this way. What happened to Jesus? He died. He well, died? For us. Died where? On the cross. On the cross. Okay. And when he died on the cross, what was God doing to him? What was he doing? And there's, probably, oh. there's probably a few ways to answer this, but... Um, he was putting all the sins of the world on him. Mm-hmm. Matthew chapter 1 would say putting the sins of his people on them. Because yeah. when Jesus was born, or before Jesus was born, they said, you'll call his name Jesus for he will save everyone? No. He will save his people. Yeah. Very specific. So, he's, he was, what did you say then? He's doing what? Um, Judging the sins? Yeah. Judging for the sins. Taking the sins. Taking the sins of the people and judging the sins of the people. God judged our sins on Christ. Oh. So our sin, we've already been judged. Our sins have been judged. And what were they deemed as? Not us, our sins. What is the conclusion of God's judgment about our sins? Forgiven? Nope. I mean, okay. You're not wrong, because you jumped ahead, though. So, so when he looks at our sins, his conclusion... <laughs> so he takes our sins... And he puts them on who? Jesus. Jesus. Cross. And then what does he do to those sins? Judges. What's his judgment? Death. Death. Yeah, oh, so death. Jesus Guilty. Then, and then Je Jesus dies. So Jesus dies with our sins. He treats Christ like he should treat us. He became sin who knew no sin that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That's first or second Corinthians. I always get it mixed up. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21. So, our judgment already took place. Christ received the judgment for our sins. And the judgment was death. So Christ died our death. We deserve to go to hell for our sins. Christ took our place, took our punishment, took our place. That's called the, that's the doctrine of substitution. It's a substitutionary atonement. He substitutes himself for us and he atones or satisfies God's wrath for our sins and so Jesus gets judged for our sins and Jesus is in the conclusion of God's judgment on our sins as Christ wears our sins is that Christ must die as he bears our sins because we should die but he takes it for us so if that were it it'd just be like oh thanks Jesus for dying for us but what does Christ do once he's dead comes back to life rises from the grave showing that he has power over sin. Sin can't keep him dead. And he conquered sin, and he conquered the sting of death, which is sin. So death and sin both are not great enough to keep Jesus from conquering them. And only because of that do we get life. We get life in Christ because Christ rose from the, died for our sins and rose from the grave. So if Jesus is judged... And then we get judged for our sins. What would be the point of his judgment? Nothing. So the only way you can be judged... So there's no sense in judging us. Because so God's judgment of us right now is what? If you said, God, what is your judgment of me right now? Yeah. What would his answer be? Hell. Nope. What? Heaven. Nope. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Jesus. He sees Christ in me. He sees Christ well, in me. That's what I said. Kind of. No, no, like early, long time ago. Yeah. Who, what, what does he see in us? Does he see our wicked... I mean, does, is God aware of our sin? Yes. Of course, obviously. Yes. Can he see when we sin? Yeah. Yes. Does he know that we're sin? He yeah. knows we have a sin nature. But Second uh, Corinthians 5 he says sees. that we are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So he doesn't see our sin or a need for judging our sin because the sin nature has already been placed on Christ, murdered at a cross, and buried in the grave, and then he conquered the grave and left our sins buried and dead in the grave while Christ resurrected. And when we believe in Christ, we join him in his resurrection and we bypass the consequence for sin. And so what does he see in us? He sees Christ. And what does he see about Christ in us? He sees the righteousness of Christ. So God doesn't judge us because there's no sin that needs to be judged. Our sin has already been judged. If you commit a sin tomorrow, you could say, well, well, he died already for my sins, but what if I sin tomorrow? Then God's going to have to judge that sin, right? No. Christ's death on the cross paid for all your sin. Past, present, future. Paid for. Taken care of. And so when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ's son. And he loves it. And he loves his son. And his son is perfect and glorious and beautiful. So he looks at us and goes, ah, you're just like my son, Jesus. Because the righteousness of Christ is applied to us. So we don't get judged because Christ in his righteousness doesn't get judged. Jesus already took the judgment we deserve. And now what do we get instead? The reward. For doing what? Nothing. Nothing. And that is grace. And because of that grace, what should you spend your life doing? Glorifying God. Glorifying God. Worshiping God. Praising God. Knowing God. Pursuing God. Loving God. Desiring God. Pursuing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. I have a question that goes with this. So let me just complete this by just saying, what believers experience is not judgment, but a a recognition of our position in Christ. As opposed to judgment. Yeah. So what about the verse, I think Dante just wrapped up. Um, about like we'll be held accountable for everything that like we say or do. I'm... Jesus says every. Um, what text is it? Because if we're not judged, no, then not, why it, do we have to? He be says held everyone will be held accountable. Uh, I think it's Matthew twelve. It's Matthew twelve. No. Let me look here. Hold on, there, champion. All right, Matthew twelve, thirty six. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Now he's talking to Pharisees, and he's calling them an evil brood of vipers. Verse 34. You brood of vipers! How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I tell you, on that day of judgment, People will give account for every careless word they speak. The day of judgment, we won't be held accountable for our sins. So we'll just like walk up and he's like, I see Christ in you. And then you gotta... I mean, yeah. Well, obviously the details of that little scenario are, you know, a little more ambiguous. But yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I, and we're going to stand before him and, and he's not going to see. So like, if you think about it in terms of like, say, clothing, because in Revelation 19... He describes us showing up in white gowns. Okay, so 
Let's go to Revelation 19. Can we just do that for a second? This is the... This is... This is... Oh, this is such an awesome text. This is the end, guys. This is the end of time when Jesus comes back to conquer the world, destroy the world, and before he starts to... Before he creates a new one. Okay, Revelation 19, 11. The rider on the white horse. Oh, this is... This is it. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. What do you notice about the words faithful and true there? They're capitalized. Yeah. What does that That's usually mean? Cap. So there's a name. It's a proper noun. It says Jesus. Yeah, he's talking about Christ. Christ is sitting on a white horse, and his name is faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. What? He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses." From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's pretty, uh, That's B.A. This is the dopest expression of Christ <laughs> in all. Yeah, mega B.A. So, like... Seriously, this is him returning, and what do you notice? He's wearing a white gown. He's wearing a robe, and what are we wearing? Fine linen, we could call it a robe too. Drip. White and pure. Right, so we're all, we're all we're all very drippy, dripping. except Jesus is literally, literally drippy. Drippy. Bro's literally <laughs> drippy. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine you're like, Jesus is the king of drip. <laughs> Imagine you go to Jesus like, bro, you're dripping. And he's like, thanks. You're like, no, Jesus, you're literally dripping. <laughs> So, and what is Jesus's, what is Jesus's uh, robe dripping with? Blood. Blood. And so, what's the significance? What's the significance blood. of blood was dripping? <laughs> blood dripping. So, what's the significance of we're all wearing white and Jesus is wearing white and our white is just pure white and his white is dipped in because blood? Because he took our blood. Because he took it on himself. What is, yeah. So we can His be clean. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. All of you answering at the same time is chaos. Who wants to answer? Go ahead, Ben. His his whiteness was overcome by his. Stop! Wait, wait, stop! What? First of all, what is just for racial purposes? <laughs> we're gonna rearrange the way you just white. said that. His whiteness is what made him perfect. <laughs> wait, what? Oh, yeah, that's, we're joking. We're joking. We're joking. Um, <laughs> Jesus is a Jew. Okay, so <laughs> Jesus is from the Middle East. Oh, yeah, white. Wait a um, so. What do, what does the whiteness of the his gown signify? Appearance. Better word. You're hundred percent right, but give me a better word. Per perfection. Glory. Yes, perfection, but we it's we call it a word. Holiness. Yes, totally right. Uh, so but about that. It, you guys, perfect answers. I want a, I want a specific answer though. Specifically perfect. Like holiness, and it's in verse eleven, by the way. Uh, and it's what he uses to judge and make faith, righteousness. Righteousness. Mm. Okay. So, what? I think somebody said that already. Oh, maybe they did. I just didn't hear him. 
So the white gown represents righteousness because the righteousness is our ticket into heaven. We're made right with God by Christ. His perfection is applied to us so we get his perfection. We get the righteousness of Christ on us. So, so Vinny, the white gown that we wear is whose righteousness? His. His. And what is his, what color is his gown? White, because white. White. he's righteous. Righteous. righteous, but his righteousness, but his gown gets stained with his blood, right? To signify what? Death. Oh, sins. What death? His the eternal death. No. 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 no to I mean, signify his what? His sacrifice. Good word. Exactly what I wanted to hear. Woo! Sacrifice. Okay. So. <laughs> So the blood that he is that is on his gun is, is represents the sacrifice he makes for us. And what is the result for us? We no get, blood. We get the white. No blood. Robes. We get the white robes. Perfection. No blood. No judgment. Now we can unpack that text a lot more because it's so stinking dope. Her, but his eyes are like a fire. His eyes are like a fire. And so listen, verse fifteen. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. What does, what does the Bible? You what what is the Bible uses a lot of um, like imagery you know and analogies and things mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, poetic language too and things Symbolic. yeah analogies and similes and metaphors and whatever symbols uh, what is the sword often a reference to in Scripture the, the word of God the word of God yes and. Okay. If God speaks, what would we call that? His word. The word. His, the word of God, right? So he speaks with us. So what does he do? It says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down nations. What's striking down nations? His words. His words. He doesn't have to pull out a sword. He goes, done. It's done. Not even. No, they're done when he shows up, probably. Just because it's his presence. I mean, I'm so, sure. I'm, well, he's gonna he's gonna make declarations for everyone to yeah, hear because we see that we see that he, when he goes to heaven, he brings a host what he, of what he says, captives with like, him. What are the words? I just want to know the name that nobody knows but him. You he's, don't get to. That's yeah, why. Exactly. Well, the one <laughs> thing. Wait, do we get, get to know one day? Well, we know there's a he gets the King of Kings and Lord of Lords name written, mm-hmm. and uh, on his thigh, from his. Dude, thigh tap. That's just so, so you could argue that it says it on the gown, on the robe. No, it says and on his thigh. I know. I've been saying this for years. But people are like, tattoos are bad. Well, I'm like, Jesus has tattoos. Bro, I'm getting a thigh tat now. But well, hold, on, hold on, hold on. So, no, it's gonna say to son of king of kings. And <laughs> son of the king. Yeah, that would be sick. And then, bro, and then when I'm in heaven, I'm like, bro, bro. I can't wait till I get this. Wait, no, but I get a new body. So. Yeah. I'm going to travel cost. Oh, I can't wait till I get my first tattoo. I can't wait. So, do you know that scripture tells us in the Old Testament law, tattoos are against God's law? Yes. I'm not allowed to get tattoos. Well, yeah, but that's the law. That's the law. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but the, point. that's the law. And you know what? And, and there are people who will argue, like, yo, you can't get a tattoo because the Bible says you can't. First of all, it's the Old Testament law by which Jesus has fulfilled and we no longer have to follow. We talked about that. And, and, and also, do you know what the, the law right before tattoos is? What? You're not allowed to cut your hair. Oh, snap. Right. So, like, <laughs> dang it. You know. Not my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like these are these laws are specific. So people with long Jews hair and they're tatted up, they're really just true Christians. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like culturally, at the time, tattoos much more, and they still do today, but it was way different back then. At the time, tattoos were a clear indication of total depravity. Like it was, it was used in a lot of very perverse and sexual ways. Um, it was they were used to indicate what type of people were what type of people specifically what type of women did what type of things and stuff like that so it was it was used for sin and one of the things God wanted from his people yeah, through the law to was to be holy and set apart from the rest of the nations so he's like the everyone else is getting tattoos and it's all a part of their evil culture be don't be like them don't get tattoos God isn't saying that tattoos themselves are inherently it was what wicked represented. Yeah. However, I've also heard the argument that, you know, the Bible says we are God's temple. Yeah, treat your body. And and uh, the New Testament says we're His temple. I had a friend who once asked, once called tattoos graffiti on the temple of God. Oof. I don't agree with that. Uh, because contextually, that's not what this is about. That's actually about sexual purity, not about tattoos on your body. So to be the temple of God is about sexual purity, not about what you do I've heard people skin. use that in the context of like eating healthy too. Yeah, it, it's. It, I mean, or just being healthy, I guess. In general. Yeah, I, I, being healthy physically is a biblical principle that's important, but yeah. not necessarily explicitly required. Like, thou shalt lose weight, or you know, whatever. <laughs> like, it's not in the Bible that we're a specific type of physical health, because Paul even says to Timothy. Um, in First Timothy, he says, though bodily training is of some value, training in godliness is of even more because it holds a promise for this life and the life to come. So Paul's point is you can get, you can get physically fit, and he'll say that there's value in that, and that's fine. But that's only for this life because that body's not going to last no matter what. Yeah. But if you train yourself in godliness, you benefit here and for eternity. So it's better. So what you see in there is this principle that like there is some value. He said there's some value in taking care of your body. Like Tyler was just sharing with us about his like working out and stuff, and is like, is that good that Tyler's taking care of his body? Yeah, right. It's good. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And then we're gonna cheer you on and support you in that. But if you're working on your body and not on your soul, then the Bible goes. Now we've got a problem. We got to find a balance of soul and body. So like, and the reality is. All of us have an imbalance, and we all need to just keep working on that balance to be better. So, like, don't go to the gym instead of church. I mean, yeah, like, I wouldn't go to the you gym on work, Sunday morning. I mean, you can work out <laughs> a different time. Yeah. Doing both is fantastic. But if you're, like, so into working out that that's, like, your life, and you never, aren't, you aren't growing spiritually, and you call yourself a Christian, I'd be like, your priorities are out of place. That's my excuse. Real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let my body weight be an implicate. Let yeah. it indicate how my the growth in my soul. People go, you're fat, but like, so is my soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what Christian's dad told told us. Like he went back for like thirds, and he's like, I'm just giving the Holy Spirit more places to fill. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's what? So weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of more plea. <laughs> Okay, any other questions? I'm sure you guys got plenty. Uh, I think those are some good questions. Can I go to the bathroom? No. 
You have to answer that in the Bible verse. Okay. That's All right. right. I'm going to. <laughs> I was kind of... Actually, you could probably find a way, yeah. King Ehud. I just can't think of the reference. King... Well... Can you paraphrase it? Can, can Dante give me your phone? Yeah, can you open your phone? Sad or his fat belly in the, <laughs> in the, the pants. Yeah. Thou sh- Go open up to your website, like internet. <laughs> the U version. Inter- they thought he was it, pooping it, it, in his closet. They were like, surely he's relieved. You're gonna find a verse closet, somewhere in the closet. And they're like, no. Nah. the Bible. It's like, thou shalt not use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Are these new glasses? Hitting? No, I'm getting new ones. See, I don't know. I'm only gonna say like you're already bad at taking new ones. First Samuel twenty-five twenty-two. What? First Samuel twenty-five twenty-two. First. Oh, I've read all First Samuel. First. I can't find it. First Samuel. What thirty-five? Wait, there's not thirty. Hold up. First Samuel what? There's not. There's not thirty-five. Twenty-five. Dante, let me 25. see that again. What's it say? Or is it twenty-two twenty-five? It says First Samuel twenty-five twenty-two. Mm, I don't think that's that's not it. Not Give it. me that back. That's <laughs> totally a poor reference. Twenty is it twenty-two twenty-five? God do so to the enemies of David. No, it's not twenty-two twenty. There's not even a verse twenty-five in chapter twenty-two. No, twenty-five twenty-two. I know, but that's not a. If you read it. There's nothing. Yeah, 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 you're right. So I just did twenty two twenty five, but there's not so even a twenty two. So yep, don't use the bathroom. <laughs> the reason you're not seeing it is because um, it's in the it's in the King James originally, and they. Oh, I can I can do that in here. Wait, you can actually put the pigeon version in there. Yeah, let's see what the Hawaiian pigeon version is. <laughs> No. Is that on the Bible? <laughs> yes, it's you can really download that. The homie needed to go poop. <laughs> Bro. Wait, Dude, reading King Ehud's story. Okay, so it doesn't say anything indicating, you know, this this type of. Okay, so in the King James version, these texts say, "He that pisseth against the wall." Boy. That's all it's gonna get to. So the Bible is talking about peeing. But it's not talking about using the bathroom or urinating. It's, it's using the phrase "he that pisseth against the wall" to indicate that it's a male. That's all. That's the way, that's the King yeah. James way of saying it's a, it's a guy because women don't <laughs> pee against the wall. <laughs> it's a boy. So you can see, like in in Second Kings nine eight, it's for the laws of shall perish and go every male bond and free in Israel, or cut off he that pisseth against the wall. Go to the bathroom. Thank you. However, pisseth. do not pisseth against pisseth the wall. Pisseth is a word? So wait, we can't use urinals anymore? Why don't pisseth under the word? <laughs> wait, so can we not use urinals anymore? Because it's on the wall. <gasps> wait, what Bible? Tyler just blew my mind. Just the Bible. It's just the Bible. Wait, yeah, you have the same one. That's you have like to just go online to find it. And then you download it. Yeah, it's weird. Because it's not in that. So you have to go to, um, actually go and Are start. you talking about the bird one? The Hawaiian pigeon vine. Look up Hawaiian. Hawaiian. And, uh, 1 Samuel 25, 22. So this is my plan to kill the boogas. <laughs> the boogas? Yeah, B-U-G-G-A-H-S. Wait, where? Yes. Buggas. 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 What is a bugger? No, look up a Hawaiian <laughs> pigeon. Wait, wait. Bible. And then, so weird. Oh, Bible app? <laughs> yup, that version. Uh, 
You have to Wait, first. Dad, what is Ehud's in Joshua, right? Wait, go to Ehud, the guy who got Ehud. stabbed and pooped. The guy who got stabbed and pooped. No, oh, wait, I got it. I got it. The HP. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> wait, give me your favorite what battle verse, bro. Uh, favorite? I don't know, man. R- rule second time. <laughs> rule second time. Um, dude, four, do four. Revelation 19. Alright, wait, nine. I got you, I got you. Wait, why can't I... Jesus show? Jesus. <laughs> That's the name of... Re- yes. It's Jesus show. Revelation 19. 11? 11. Read it, bro. No, I have to do read it. Dan, Jalite, <laughs> one dream, I see the sky open up and the in front of me get one white horse with one guy on top him. <laughs> <laughs> they call that guy the one that do what he tell he going to do and... The one that tells the truth. <laughs> Hawaiian Pigeon Bible, but it's... He, every time, was, do was right. <laughs> what is that from South? Wait, what do you guys You can't... It's when he make to like one judge, and when he lead or one Jesus army to 19. fight one war, his eyes shine to like the fire. <laughs> and on <laughs> top of his head, he got plenty crown. <laughs> <laughs> He get one name that stay right on top of him that nobody knows. <laughs> Only him, he know him. He wear one robe that got blood all over him. <laughs> they, they, they stay right on top white horses, and they wear the fancy linen kin clothes that stay white and clean. You skipped the verse, man. One sharp. Okay, yeah, you get the point. <laughs> they called that That's kind of exhausting. <laughs> I, I like the. I'm really he got one name that right stay now. right on top of the guy. <laughs> Nobody knows. All of the army guys stay inside the sky. Stay go. Do you think there's a? Do you think there's a, a church that preaches from the whole? Uh, well, you had, I'm region. sure. Wait, and you can listen to it. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Yo, play. You did it. Play, play, play. It, it has to be. Chapter 19, after the big angel guy talked. After the big <laughs> <Okay. laughs> No, we don't need the next uh, No, I turned off mine. I turned off mine. Go ahead. Wait, but this is from the verse 1. Yeah, it, it'll have to go to it. I can skip 36. God, he the greatest. <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> Take us out of the bad kind stuff we stay in. He the awesome one. Oh, what verse are you in? He the one that get plenty power. This is starting. Sounds like Creole. He the judge. He only tell the truth and do what's right. He went punish the people because she went make the people inside the world do real, real second bad kind time. stuff. Real like bad kind stuff. people that like have really bad English. It, this love was made song. like years ago. He punish her because she went kill the people that work for God. Song Solomon. Then they sing the song of love or something. Was all right. Alright. Right. <laughs> it's like a hard word and they're like, we got that one. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Alright. You, bo- you the most beautiful Wahini. <laughs> Bro, look at the books of the Bible. Jesus, guys. That start is so funny. I don't know. Out of Egypt. Is that's, just, that's Genesis. It's one, just called start. First Timothy. It's not Timothy. Jesus. Logo leaders. Jesus. <laughs> 